If you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Kings. The book of Kings. We're going to the 18th chapter. Yes, that chapter. First Kings. I need to, I need to spell that out. I was already being told. One or two. I just want to show you just for sake. So everybody knows I'm telling you the truth. I had this beautiful, slick, on paper, typed up, beautiful message. It was nice and good and sweet. And I sat down last night in prayerful attitude, thinking about you all, and God messed up everything. Now I got these hand-scribbled notes on this little tiny strips of paper here. I hope I can pull off, and if I can't, I'm just going to open up and let her fly and not even worry about it, all right? So, and you invited me. It's your fault. <laughs> I love and respect your pastors very, very much. We've been friends for a long, long time. And through all those years, though, uh, other than I came and sang for you a time or two, we never preached for each other. And just this last year, we finally got it made it all work out where we could preach for one another. And they came over to our place, and it ain't been the same since. And I say that in a good way. I say that in a good way, Pastor. <laughs> I like to leave things hanging in the air. It just messes with you. I just love that. First Kings 18. We're going to start with verse... 17, I believe it is. I'm reading it out of the King James, so it's got all the these and the thous. If that messeth with you, I'm sorry, yetheth. This is the story of Elijah and the Mount Carmel showdown. Don't blame me, the Lord did this. Look. Verse 17, and when it came to pass, when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, art thou he that troubleth Israel? Oh, come on now. Three years prior to this, he had prayed and the heavens were shut up and now they've been in a three-year drought. Everything is dried up. Everything's a mess. Everything's topsy-turvy. Everything is, is depleting. And financial, the financial situation, I'm sure, is depleting. Things are happening. The, the people are at hostage right now because of the drought. And so, verse 17, And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? Here's what I like. He gave a Pastor Larry answer. And he answered and said, I have not troubled Israel, but thou, thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. He put the problem where the problem lies. Mm, mm, mm. We can groan and moan. I'm, I'm preaching already. We in trouble. We can moan and groan about our government and all the things that are backwards and topsy-turvy in the darkness of the hour in which we live. But until the church of Jesus Christ gets its act together, we're going to have this around us. But if we'll arise, we're living in the generation of the, of the final remnant of the church of Jesus Christ. If we will arise to the occasion, all of these things can be stayed. Mm -hmm. Verse 19, now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal, 450. Now we preach this, I've heard this preached so many times, we stop at that number, but look, it moves on. And the prophets of the groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. Those were the prophets of Asherah. 850 prophets were given a challenge that day. In other words, Elijah stood up and said, listen, those of you who have gone to the wayside, those of you who are playing games, those of you who come in here with your pagan ideas, why don't we take this up and make it a matter of prayer? Mm -hmm. Golly, I'm preaching already, Pastor Larry. You've got a beautiful ripe house here. Verse 20, so Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. Verse 21, and Elijah came unto all the people. I don't know if you circle in your Bible, but I circle that word all. Elijah came unto all the people and said, how long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. 
And in the next few verses, I'm going to do some skipping if it's all right with you, but I'm going to give you the narrative. In the next few verses, what happens is Elijah gives the prophets of Asherah and the prophets of Baal their due and their time to try to call upon their God. There's a holy showdown going on here. If God is God, let him answer by fire. Let's find out which God will answer by fire. Can you say amen to that? Verse 27, and it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them. <laughs> and he said, cry aloud, for he is, he is a God. Either he is, either he is talking or he is pursuing or he is on a journey or pre-adventure or he sleepeth or must be awaked. I love that right there. In the original language, it says, did he go to the bathroom? Oh, come on. Verse 28, and they cried loud and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancelets until the blood gushed out of them. And it came to pass when midday was past and they prophesied unto the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that there was neither voice nor any to answer nor any that regardeth. And Elijah said unto all the people, squeeze in a little tighter. He says, come near to me and all the people came near unto him and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down and Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the son of Jacob and unto whom the word of the Lord came saying Israel shall be thy name and with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord and he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed and he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid him on the wood and said fill four barrels of water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood and he said do it a second time and a third time and they did it a third time and the water ran about the altar and filled the trench also with water and it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Now, lean in. Verse 27. Hear me, O Lord. Hear me that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their hearts back again. And then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Mm -hmm. I'm having fun already. And, the, and then Elijah said unto them, take the prophets of Baal and let not one escape. And they took them and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. And Elijah said unto Ahab, get thee up and eat and drink for there is the sound of the abundance of rain. So Ahab went up eat to eat and drink. And Elijah went up to the top of Carmel and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his faith between his knees. I don't know if you understand that, but in the times of antiquities, he put his head between his knees. That was the posture of giving birth. He was about to birth something in the atmosphere around them, something that the people had been waiting for for some time. They'd been waiting three years for this drought to go away. And now that God has proven that he is God and the people have turned in repentance, now God has allowed Elijah to go to the mountaintop and to birth a move verse 43 and he said to his servant go up now and look toward the sea and he went up and looked and said there is nothing and he said again go seven times and it came to pass at the seventh time that he said behold there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand and he said go up and see, say unto Ahab prepare thy chariot <laughs> man i'm ready to preach prepare thy chariot and get thee down that the rain stop thee not 
And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind. And there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was upon Elijah. And he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. We thank you for the anointing, Father, that you've placed upon your servant today. Father, I pray that I will not just speak words, Father, that are familiar to me, but that I will speak the things, Father, that lay upon your heart. Father, I ask to be hidden behind the cross of Calvary, and I ask you, Holy Spirit, as the promise you gave me as a little boy, open your mouth and I will speak. God, I thank you and praise you, Lord, that you, you alone are God. Father, it's all of you and none of me it's all of you and none of me but father as we go into this place father right now as we break part this passage of scripture god i'm believing and trusting for a mighty outpour i know revival's already happening right here father at hosanna but i'm believing and trusting god that you're going to you're going to to turn up the intensity father of what's being birthed in this place i give you the honor and the glory in jesus name and all the saints said amen now, I have trouble with these glasses because they're just readers, and so, and, and I've always had trouble with that thing right there, but that's the only way I can see you to do that. So if you can put up with that, uh, I think we'll, we'll get along all right. So let's go back to verse 17 just real quick. Verse 17, where we started. Verse 17. In verse 17, he says, Elijah, you troublemaker, what are you doing here? The servant who came before Elijah to announce his coming to the king was in fear of his life because he'd already heard threatenings come out of the mouth of the king against Elijah. He says, Elijah, you troublemaker, what are you doing here? And I love his response, not me. Not me, Ahab, you the troublemaker. I'm not a troublemaker, you're a troublemaker. Nudge your neighbor and said, I told you, I told you there was a troublemaker. Mm, verse 19. In verse 19, he says this, bring your prophets to Mount Carmel, 850 of them, because it's time they met a real God. It's time they met a real God. They've been, they've been playing about. They've, been, they've, they've tried everything in their power to prove they have some power, but there's no power in an idol, so invite them to a true God anointing party. In verse 21, he addresses all the people, and I love this part right here. He says, how long? How long are you going to halt between two opinions? Either Baal is God or God is God. But it can't be both ways. You've got to have it one way or the other. And he's calling them, will you receive the Lord or will you not? This is your day. This is the day for you to make up your mind whether you're going to follow God and come back to the roots of what you know to be the truth or if you're going to continue playing this game of mixture. Mm. So how long are you going to halt? That word halt in the original language means to be maimed, lame, crippled, limping, unable to move. It means how long are you going to get stuck between these two opinions and not have a clear thought either direction? For you're mixing up what you believe about Baal and you're mixing up what you believe about God and the nation has lost its way and we're so good at playing this little, this little mixture game that you've lost all of your consciousness towards God. And I'm here today to ask you people, this is the challenge. The challenge wasn't for the prophets. The challenge was for the heart of the people God was calling the people a nation back to himself oh my God I don't know where you are today but I feel like God's trying to call America back to himself uh, he's trying to get us to give up this mixture of playing around with a seeker friendly do a little dabble do you sin a little act a little crazy go a little wild and then come to church and raise your hands as if nothing has happened go ahead and shack up in the church and pretend like it's okay with God but God's saying come out from among them and be ye separate. God is looking for a generation, a remnant that will rise in the midst of a great falling away when the nations of the world are falling farther and farther behind and they're being taken over by a hostile takeover of a one world agenda. But God said it ain't over till the remnant comes to an arise. And so the remnant is on the rise. If you're part of the remnant, let the Lord know you're a part of the remnant Move of God. 
a remnant, a remnant is a cutaway from the whole. The remnant is a cutaway from the whole, not a leftover, a cutaway. And God is getting ready to cut on his church. God is getting ready to separate the sheep from the goats. God is, I dropped this mic, but it ain't mine. God is getting ready to separate his people who are playing with unrighteousness into righteousness. Now, I don't want you to think I'm a clothesline preacher. I'm not a clothesline preacher. But I am. I am a passionate one. I'm passionate about the things of God. I'm passionate about living right. I'm passionate about living a life before God that's the best that I can be, knowing Jesus is making up the difference for me and helping me to be righteous and holy because of his partnership through the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the one called alongside, who helps me through my everyday walk in him. If it wasn't for the leadership of the Holy Spirit, I wouldn't have came to the Lord in the first place. And the fact that he's partnered with me, he even gets mixed up in my prayer language and praise things for me I wouldn't even know how to pray I thank God for the Holy Spirit now look at this how long are you going to stand there between these two opinions because you can't serve two gods you can't serve two gods you can only serve one so today establish for yourself which God are you going to serve the God of perversion or the God of righteousness. Mm. So on this day, I believe that Elijah threw down a scientific double blind test. He says, listen, you all make your altars. You worship the way you worship. You conjure whatever you need to conjure. All I ask is you give me equal time to call upon my God. They worshiped all day till midday. They worshiped, they cried, they begged, they cut themselves. They bled, they shed blood trying to get their God to show up. Elijah made one plea. After making his fire impossible to happen in the natural. He said, oh God, hear me. And he did it twice so that the people would understand the importance of this prayer. Oh God, hear me. Hear me that these people may know there is a God and that God is God. That they may know for a fact and beyond the shadow of a doubt that God is here. God is real. The God that delivered us and made us a nation in an hour is the same God on the throne. He hasn't moved. We have moved from him. I love this prayer. I love this showdown. <laughs> first, he said to the prophets of Baal, the first one to make it rain fire that's the God we will serve. <laughs> the prophets of Baal and Ashereth produced what an idol produces. Nothing. Nothing. Then Elijah said, stand back, boys. This is going to separate your head from your shoulders. Stand back, boys. You about to find out who God really is. I'm, I brought you to the God introducing party because we're going to wipe out your perversion once and for all. Mm. Then Elijah said, stand back, boys. This is going to separate you. Elijah began to repair the altars. As he repaired the altars, he reestablished a few things. Number one, he reestablished honor to God in the house of God, in the people of God. 
That's what's wrong with the church of America today. No one honors God anymore. From the highest offices of the land to our worship houses, there's no respect for God. We come in and we try to make church comfortable for the people, and we never give God a second chance. But at our church, at your church, when you come in, it's all about Him. Hands go up, hearts engage. We begin to give Him His way, His due, His place, and we allow Him to be God. God in our house of worship and when his spirit begins to move we're having people now jumping up in the middle of service going I just got healed and nobody prayed for them why because we're letting God be God it's God's house not man's it's time we let God be God I'm glad you made this big wide pulpit Makes a fat man more comfortable. First thing he reestablished was honor to God in his house. The second thing he established in the putting together of those stones was that prayer gets answers. True heartfelt prayer and relationship with God produces answers. The third thing he, he, he brought back was the word of the Lord. He brought back the word, the value of this book, the fact that he is in it. He breathed every ounce of what's written in here. It came through the talents and the personalities of men, but make no mistake, this came from the lips of God through the Holy Spirit. In fact, when Jesus spoke the word, he came to the earth and put on a flesh suit and he became the word incarnate. And this word is a Live and active and sharper than a two-edged sword and it can get right down to the nitty-gritty of what your intentions are in whatever it is that you're doing for God man I'm having fun is this all right y'all don't like you're having as much fun as me number four he established that day that the ancient promises of God are true yes and amen Number five, he entrenched a dividing line between blended theology and submission to the only true God. I just like that one. I'm going to say it again. He entrenched a dividing line between blended theology and submission to the only true God through the water that represents the word. Mm. Number six, he shook the status quo. They were so used to blended worship, so used to carnality, so used to paganism, so used to occultic practices that they lost the real God in the middle of it all. And yet he shook the status quo that day on Mount Carmel. Number seven, the church of Jesus Christ in America needs to hear this one. He brought back reverential fear of God. How do, you, how do you stand before a God who rains fire down out of the sky and consumes in such a flash of power as what was consumed there on Mount Carmel that day and not know that he is almighty, he is all powerful, he is the creator. You can talk big boom all you want. The only big bang that ever happened was bang! He said, let there be light. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm all over the place today, but I'm having fun. Number eight, he proved once again God is who he says he is in an all-consuming fire. God is an all-consuming fire. And he proved himself that day that the stories you heard and the stories that have been handed down through the generations, the stories that have been handed to you through Moses, the stories that have come throughout the successive ages are true. God is a fire. God shows up in fire. God answers in fire. God, uh, God allows us even emotionally and passionately in our, in our spiritual walk with him to call it fire when you have a mighty revival 
revival. We call it the fire of God fell because God will consume you. He'll consume you from the inside out. Uh, he'll take you all your dry wood, hay, and stubble. He'll take it and he'll just whoosh, uh, cause you to go up in a power of flame. And as you're moving in the passionate of the flames of God, you literally can uproot uh, uh, the, the realms of darkness and you can reach into the lives of the unsuspecting and bring them an encounter with God because you're so filled with God. You're co so consumed with God. They can't help but have an encounter with God. Your neighbors can find him because you're in their neighborhood. The people at Walmart can find him on aisle 13. That's where they keep the beanie weenies. But some of the greatest prayer services I've ever had, Pastor Larry, happened in Walmart, not at my altar, but in Walmart. When somebody, I walked by somebody who I could tell needed a touch, and I said, hey, brother, can I pray for you? And I put my hand out, and, and they're expecting for me to, to walk away somewhere and quietly pray in the quiet of my little closet somewhere. And one day, that maybe a miracle will happen and they'll get better. But what they don't know is they've encountered someone who's just consumed with the fire of God. And I grab hands with them and I begin to say, Lord, hear me now. And I begin to pray. And they, you ought to see their faces. And aisle 13 will clear out very, very quickly if you do that. Everybody on that aisle runs like a scalded dog. But I'm here to tell you, the person that you come hands with, that person will come into a personal relationship and have an encounter with God they would not have had otherwise and I've seen God move miraculously in Walmart if nothing else when I cross the finish line at the end of my race, I want to be so wrung out, Pastor Larry, that I'm like a dish rag. I just wrung out and there ain't nothing left to give. I want to fall when I fall at the finish line. I want to fall right at the feet of Jesus. Hope my crown of life lands on his feet. And I want to lay prostrate before him and say, without you, I would have never made it. Without you, I couldn't be here now. Without you, I wouldn't be the man that I am. I wouldn't have the reputation I have or the people I've been able to, to reach in my life. If it wasn't for you, none of it would have happened. For I am nothing and you are everything. You must increase and I must decrease because there's a dying world that's on your heart. None of that was in my notes. That's free. In verse 37, he says, Hear me, O Lord. Hear me. James 5.16 says, The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. I love this verse. I love this verse. Because the effectual, the word effectual, and the word fervent, in the Greek are one word. It's one word spoken twice. That word is inargeo. Inargeo. It's where we get the word energy. Energy. You know, as I'm getting older, I'm finding out my energy is not quite what it used to be. <laughs> I heard the, that was the best amen I had all day. <laughs> as I get older, there's certain things I just don't have quite the energy I used to. I went out in my garage yesterday going to mess with my hot rods. And you know how hard it is for a man my size to get down on the ground <sighs> in dirt and I can only get this far underneath the car now. I don't know why. It's a low rider. Thank you. Thank you. Woo, that got me out of it. <laughs> but that word in our gale, energy. If you take the full implication of that word, they use the same word twice for emphasis. Effectual. It does mean effective. Effective energy. Effective energy. See, most of us don't understand who we really are. You have the Holy Spirit in you. One third of the Godhead 
resides in you. He moved in. He lets you be his house. Know ye not, ye are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Look at this. Energy, energy. The, the prayer of a righteous man is energy, energy. Energy, energy. Hope you don't mind. I just can't stay up there. Energy, energy. If you really get all the implication out of that, it means the man who knows God, when he prays, he releases through the power of declaration enough energy to change the situation. It also means to be emotionally encapsulated in such power that you are white hot with energy. What you don't know is that through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit is that you have a nuclear plant on the inside of you at any given moment ready to break out on the world around you but because we pay so much attention to the voices that hang in the atmosphere we rarely reach that potential but when you talk to somebody you share faith with somebody you share the word with somebody power comes out of you sometimes you don't even know it came out of you and I've, I've had people come to the altar for the first time boy I'm, I'm having fun if I got time I've had people come to the altar for the first time never had an encounter with God before never knew that you could have an encounter with God they come up and as they stand before you and you get ready to lay your hands on them they're doing this they're, they're reeling, they're rocking, they're stumbling backwards. I've seen their face. I'm not trying to be overly Pentecostal. I'm just telling you that we don't know what we have. We don't understand the power that resides within us. And in their first encounter, I've seen people in their faces all twitching and they're just nervous. What is this? I don't know what's going on here. I've never dealt with this. I said, just lay down. Boom. They fall backwards in the power of God. And when they come up, I don't have to do a thing. They're transformed because they met him. When we walked down a hospital corridor, I had a friend in Manila who was so anointed, he went into a hospital in, in Manila and walked down the corridors of that hospital and cleared out an entire wing of that hospital in one day. That is truth. I've stood with pastor friends and apostles on the shores of Haiti and seen mighty miraculous things happen in a people who are hungry for the things of God, who will gather on a hillside underneath a blue tarp and be shoulder to shoulder, no room to move, and it's 100 degrees outside, and yet they're worshiping and magnifying him and glorifying him and not complaining about the conditions that they have to worship him in, and they'll stop in the middle of their day and glorify his name. So he cries, hear me, O Lord, hear me. He's not begging, he's decreeing. These people need an encounter. Hear me, God. Hear me. We're here under your anointing, under your moment, and I decree that these people's hearts will come back to you. I'm decreeing, God, that what you sent me here for will be accomplished, not because of me, because of you. So hear me and answer so these people will come back to you. Mm. Let these people encounter you again was his cry. They have forgotten your dreadful, awful power of your strength. They've lost their fear of you. They have forgotten your mercy, your desire to bless and protect. They don't know you, God, and they need an encounter. And that's what this moment is about, God, that these people will again have an encounter. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish to God America would have an encounter. I believe we're on the precipice of the greatest revival 
revival America's ever known. People who filtered out of here for a seeker-friendly occultic push are going to filter back in when they realize it didn't work. It didn't work. It didn't work. Seeker-friendly doesn't save my child. Seeker-friendly doesn't help my babies. Seeker-friendly didn't get me out of a wheelchair or off of an operating table. So I want to find where God is because wherever God is, there is his presence. And if his presence is there, I know that the Holy Spirit who resides in me will connect me to my heavenly Father and there I'll be changed forevermore. Evermore. I'm getting a workout. My wife's been after me for years to walk. Oh, he says, Lord, they don't know you. They don't know you. They don't know you. If they knew you, they'd fall before you. If they had what we have, God, they would fall before you. It's easy. I know when I'm up here preaching, this might sound condescending. That is not my heart. My heart doesn't condescend. My heart is like Jesus. I want to I wanna whoop a few church leaders. But my heart is for the people to have what God promised them. My heart isn't to condemn people when they come through the church house door. My heart is to restore them when they come through the church house door. Pastor Larry, you shared a, you may not know how much impact you have, but you shared a story one time. When you over off of 22nd Street, you shared a story with me that you had a lady of the evening come into your church and that the ladies in the church just rose up and wouldn't have anything to do with her and wanted to run her out. And you had to rise up and correct your church because their heart was wrong. I applaud you for a heart like that because that is the heart of the father you're a lot more like the father than you think because you speak with a voice that commands respect you speak with a voice that commands power and declaration you speak order and God is a God of order but underneath all of that like the father there's a tenderness in you a lot of people bypass and don't see they don't know that this man weeps for souls they don't know this man cries out in the wee hours of the morning sometimes God what next how do I do it where do you take me what do I do how can I lead your people do you believe that when this is done love on your pastors Love on them. Just about the time they're all standing back with their arms folded. Well, we didn't see anything happen with Baal. Let's see what you got, Elijah. Let's see what you got. And just about the time he said, Amen. He probably didn't even have it completely off of his lips when whoosh! Man, that was loud. Israel. 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 He is real. Israel, he's real. He's here. This whole display wasn't for the kings and the prophets. It was about the heart of the people of God's nation. He wanted his people back. He wanted his nation back. Why? Because he wants to be merciful. He wants to be tender. He wants to fulfill his promise. He wants to cause you to be blessed coming in and going out. He wants you to be intimate with him that he may spend time with you. If anything in this world makes me makes my mind blow, it's the fact that God wants to be intimate with me all day yesterday I was trying to do stuff for myself oh you don't ever do this but I was trying to do stuff for myself little things I wanted to do we've been in a we've been in a busy season running 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 and I thought finally I get a day to do what I want to do pastor Larry would be on the golf course I'm a hot rod guy I got out in that garage and everything I tried to do didn't work. And I went from one thing to another to another. Now, you would think 
that after a while I would figure out this isn't going to be prosperous for you, quit. But there's a sign outside of my house right on the street, right on the corner where we live. It says, slow children. Some of you got that. (laughs) Slow children. Here I am having a slow children moment. And then my son came over. My wife came home with this, the biggest box I ever seen in my life with a barbecue grill in it. And we put that thing together and the kids cooked dinner. But something just in me kept going. There was just something going. I need something else. I need something else. I need something else. And finally, we had supper over. The kids left. And Pastor Colleen, she rolls up with the sidewalks at 830 in Hamilton. And when she went on to bed, I thought, see, I thought that I had this all figured out, Pastor Larry. I'm going to preach what I know to preach. It's going to sound good, slick and good and everything. And suddenly I just, I just had to grab my Bible. Because I was needing some intimacy with my father. But you want to know what? All day he kept trying to get intimate with me. It initiated with him and not me. And I was so overwhelmed. And I opened the Bible and this message jumped out. Boom. I couldn't write fast enough. And I thought, Lord, I don't want to just get a message. I want, I want to spend time with you. And so I put this away and I just began to read Psalms. And I just began to feel like David for a moment and I let God be God in that moment and I don't know how to explain it but when that time was up I felt a hundred times better than I had all day long and the thought and I will hurry that God Wanted time with me still separates my head from my shoulders. This whole display wasn't for the kings of the prophets. It was about the nation. Verse 39. When the people saw it, I love their response. Sometimes you just need a reminder he's still God. And in that moment when they saw the fire, they fell back and fell prostrate with their nose in the ground. There's no closer place to God than on your face. No closer can you be to the master than when you recognize his terrible goodness and you fall on your face. It's in those moments that God says things to me that change the course of my life. It's when I'm magnifying him and glorifying him that suddenly he speaks. Sometimes I'm driving down the highway, Pastor Larry, and the Lord just speaks. I wasn't thinking about nothing. I wasn't even being spiritual. I was probably eating Pringles. And God speaks. And then I messed up for the rest of the day. Verse 40. After the fire fell, the people returned in repentance and said, the Lord is God. We will serve him. Then judgment came upon the preachers of perversion. A swift eradication of all the darkness crouching in the nation's nation's church system. Do you believe that? I do. Do you believe God's going to kill people? No. I believe God's going to either give them an opportunity to straighten up or to walk away. Verse 41. So Elijah said, you better stop your fasting to your idols and get something to eat. This is what he told Ahab. You're going to need strength for your long journey and you'd better move fast. I'm about to birth a downpour. 
an abundant outpour that will rock foundations, rip out city gates, and uproot anything not producing in its pathway. There comes not only a stream, but a river in the desert, Ahab. In fact, I'm going to outrun you to the gate <laughs> because God is so good. Hosanna Fellowship. Hosanna Ministries International. There's a sound of abundance and outpour over you. There's a converging over this region. The Lord's assigned to us the I-35 corridor and the 36 crossway. He's given you I-29, 36, and 71. God's going to do something here. You may not believe this yet, but he's going to use you for where we are headed. God is raising up not one, Elijah, but a remnant, an army of people with a spirit like John the Baptist, a spirit like Elijah, a host, a myriad of ministers, not just in America, but around the world. For the remnant is on the rise and God is about to do things that are so unfathomable in America. You need to get, I don't know how much land you got here, but you need to get ready for a building program because God's going to do something like you've never seen before, like you thought was, was a bygone of yesterday. I want you to know that he's coming in. It's not going to have the same sound as yesterday. It's not going to have the same look as yesterday. Some of the people that come in here aren't going to know giddy up from Sikkim and they need you. And that's why you need to be on your face prostrate before God begging for a new fire. Because God is sending you and entrusting you. He believes in you. He believes in your pastors. He believes in your headship. He believes in your worship. He believes in you that are sitting there on the church pew because I know many of you put your hand to the plow and I want you to understand something from this pastor's heart. God didn't assign anybody to just flatten your fanny on a chair. He assigned you a job in the kingdom and those of you whose hair is turning salt and pepper like mine, you've got something to do. You've lived long enough in Christ now to know what it takes for longevity and the Bible says he that endures to the end shall be saved and he's looking for people who pour in to this younger generation like this young man here and raise him up and give him a fire and help him to understand that the calling on his life is irrevocable and that he can turn the world upside down it only took 70 12 and 12 and the other disciples to turn the world upside down on the day of Pentecost there was only 120 it had dwindled down from the multitude and even the 500 couldn't be faithful but on the day on the day of Pentecost uh, when the power of God was poured out uh, there was only 120 but by the time the first altar call was done there was 3,000 new souls added so they were a church of 3120 on the very first day and I want you to understand uh, that God's not through God's not done with this strip of highway God's not done with what's going on up and down this interstate and get ready because they're going to come from other towns and other places you haven't been called to St. Joe you've been called to the region so my question is are you ready for the outpour who sees our city coming back to God I live in a town of about 7,000 people. Well, our church is in a town of about 7,000 people. And God's brought great men and women and even your pastor through our place. And every one of them said to Bill, it's astronomical 
And I'm going, Lord, how do you do that in a town this size? And then suddenly people started showing up from Sugar Creek and Bethany. Peculiar. I've got people that drive an hour and a half one way just to get to church on Sunday morning. We got people from Clarksdale. We got we've had some people from St. Joe. God is doing something beyond what we have put him in the box to do. And it's time for an outpour. Would you bow your head just real quickly? Brother Harold, if you could give me just some soft music. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to minister in this beautiful house. I'm asking, Father, today, if there's one here that you've not asked Christ into your heart, if that's you, would you raise your hand and just say, pray with me, Pastor. I want to know it's all right between me and God. Would there be one? Would there be one? Awesome. Since there's not anyone in need of salvation, that means you've joined the army. That means you're an insider, not an outsider. That means you know the mysteries of God. You understand his word. You know you have an assignment. If you want the fire of God to fall in this place the way God wants it to fall, would you just stand right where you are, raise your hands, and for the next few moments, let's just invite God to be God in this place. Heavenly Father, we magnify you. We glorify you. We ask you, Lord, to have your will and have your way in this house, Lord. We ask, Father, for a mighty outpour. God, we ask, Lord, that you begin to stir. Stir in me, Lord. Stir the giftings of God within me. Help me, Father, to find those moments of, of seclusion alone with you that I might hear your voice and know you in the fullness of who you are. Help me, God, as I lay on my face and cry out, Father, for a mighty outpour. I thank you, Father, for the souls that you've entrusted in our hands, Lord. I thank you for what you're doing in Hosanna. God, I thank you Lord that these people know you they hunger for you they thirst for you I thank you for a new passion a new drive a new zeal a new desire I thank you for a new fire God down deep within I thank you for a stirring where deep calls unto deep I thank you for a challenge and that you've thrown down the gauntlet today father to bring us into the war that we will stand up and fight back against the tyranny of darkness and be Become the church of Jesus Christ and to, to emit his light, Father, like a, like a mighty, uh, um, like, like, like a mighty atomic, uh, energy nuclear station, God. I thank you, Lord, that inside of us is all the power we need to turn our world upside down. And if each one of us individually, Father, have the power to turn our world upside down collectively, Father, we can turn our nation upside down and we give you the honor and the glory in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name